2: Hey everyone, it's Fat Mascara. I'm Jess. I'm Jen. I just had that vision of... Yeah, it's
1: Fat Mascara time. I'm sorry. I got really excited for this episode and I forgot what we were doing, but I remember now. How are you? I forgot.
2: You were so excited. You blacked out. (laughs) Yeah, I get really excited. FM blackout. You know I love
1: a doctor. Come on. Let's be honest. I hear you.
2: I hear you. Listen, I can't wait to hear this interview Quickie update, little little housekeeping, little housekeeping. By the time you're listening to this, I will have started my new job. If you're listening to this out of sequence, I announced that I have left my post at Harper's Bazaar. I know big changes, time changes, things change. Wow, life is moving fast. I don't know if I will have announced my new job yet, but in any case, I'm not on this recording. So just know that. Jen is holding down the fort. Incredible interview straight ahead. Jen, do you want to talk to us about that?
1: I will. I'll tell you all about Dr. Nikki Shaw, who's here with us today. And just a reminder, I will have a guest co-host next week and the week after, but then Jess will be back when she's settled into her new job. On to Dr. Nikki Shaw. She's an ophthalmologist, which is an eye surgeon, people. This is not the optometrist that you go get glasses from. She's an ophthalmologist at SUNY Downstate Medical Center, and she's here to talk all about eyes. But not just the skin around your eyes, your actual eyes too. And she she takes some myths and busts them. We talk about blue light, the truth about lash serums, what they can and can't do, so much more. She's also the creator of a new line of skincare that just launched called You and I... I spelled E-Y-E, You and I by Dr. Nikki. So she has Lash Serum Cleanser. We talk about that a little bit. She actually created it, I love this story, with her father, who is a cosmetic research scientist and has made products for many brands you know, like things from Estee Lauder Companies, Bath and Body Works he worked at. But together they created this line. It just came out and it was just kismet that we happened to do our interview the week that the line came out. But she has so much knowledge. I learned so much, I know you will too. Let's welcome Dr. Nikki Shaw to Fat Mascara. All right, Dr. Shaw. I think you're the first ophthalmologist we've ever had on our podcast, so welcome to Fat Mascara.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I actually put this on my 2022 vision board for the year. No way. Way. I put this on. I wrote it down in my planner. I said, I want to come on Fat Mascara, so I'm going to make it happen, and we did it. Here we are. Our month five,
1: you still have like seven more months for all everything else on your vision board. Good for you. Thank you. All right. Well, so tell me, how did you even get into this line of work? Obviously, you're a medical doctor, but
0: why did you specialize in eyes? So when I entered medical school, I thought that I would be a pediatrician just because that's the only doctor I ever knew growing up as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that's what I would do. But when I started doing the rotations in med school, I wasn't really feeling passionate about about that, the way I wanted to feel passionate about what I would dedicate my career to. So I was always curious about ophthalmology. I would kind of go to the meetings, but truthfully, I was really intimidated by it because I would see people showing videos of surgery and they're operating so close to the brain. And I was like, well, this looks a little scary. I don't know about this, but I was really lucky. I had a two-week rotation in my third year of med school. So I said, let me see what this opto thing's about, because I always had a curiosity for it, and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is great. And my mom pointed it out to me. She's like, you haven't been this excited since the day you got into medical school, so you need to think about this.
1: What do you think it was that excited you, like the, the patients and how they reacted to what you were doing or the physical work
0: itself? I think it was just the physical work. You can actually see the disease inside the yeah. eye. And you yeah. can treat it. And our surgeries pretty much fix vision almost instantaneously. So seeing that difference in a person's quality of life, going from not being able to drive, not being independent, and then you help fix their eyes. And now they're they're one of the first things I would see is people start wearing makeup and they start you know getting their groove back and they're driving. And it was really yeah. nice to see. So I really fell in love with the specialty.
1: And the diseases you're talking about, just so, like
0: this isn't going to be a medical podcast, but we're talking about like cataracts. What else? Cataracts, diabetes, glaucoma. You can catch a lot about the body's health through the eyes.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. We've also noticed from other doctors we've had on like the last couple months, they've been talking about the pandemic and how it's changed their practice. And I was like, oh, an eye doctor you must have seen like an increase in certain
0: types of complaints or changes to what's going on because of it? Totally. So the pandemic has exponentially increased dry eyes, which always was really prevalent. I think because we're all on screens these days Mm. and the masks as well. The masks make our eyes drier? Yeah, the masks do two things. They make our eyes drier because the air, if you don't seal it well at the nose, the air will kind of go up into your eye when you're breathing. Oh, yeah. Anyone who's wearing glasses
1: and they like just start like... Fogging condensing. up. Condensing. Yeah, fogging. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So dry air blowing upwards.
0: And then the air also from your breath carries bacteria in it. So it changes the microbiome of your lids. And that oh increases styes or chalazines. I'm sure you've seen, or maybe you've had it yourself with those little ugly bumps that you get on your eyelids sometimes. Yes. yes. So you've seen more of those as well? Totally. More of that, dry eyes, digital eye strain. It's it's a lot.
1: Oh, I want to ask you about digital Eye strain. Actually, it kind of goes into the screen discussion. Does like, does staring at a screen all day, does that affect you? You know, like when we were little, I was like, don't sit too close to the screen.
0: <laughs> that's so what, totally what does a myth. it really do? Okay, that's a myth. That's Good a myth. to know. But kids just like, but to it does see things affect big. Big. but yes. Okay. Yeah. Screens totally basically when we're staring at a screen, we're having one big staring contest all day long. And the screen is always winning. We're staring at it, so we forget to blink. And normally we blink like eighteen times per minute. But when we're staring at a screen, that reduces to just like three to four times a minute. That's a huge difference. Yeah, over 50% difference. So that makes the dry eyes that you were just talking about, but what else? So it does two things. It makes the eyes dry because the tears will evaporate since you're staring Mm -hmm. and keeping your eyes open. But the second thing is, I think it's really interesting. Basically, we all have these oil glands that sit just behind our eyelashes, Mm -hmm. Most of us don't even know that they exist, but they're called the mybobian glands, and they secrete oils that lubricate and coat your eyes so that your eyes stay nice and moist and bright and they don't look dull. But when we're staring at screens all day long, the blinking process actually milks those oil glands. So the muscle in our eyelid called the orbicularis, that Mm -hmm. muscle wraps around those oil glands, and when you blink, it milks them. So that the oils flow better. So now you're staring at
1: his... A horrible verb, like just like picturing it, but I I get it. It makes more
0: lubricated eyes. Exactly. But then you're not blinking as much. So those oil glands aren't secreting. And when they're sitting there in the oil glands can't move, they harden. So that causes the styes and chalasians. Okay. Or they oxidize. And then that causes a lot of inflammation and discomfort in your eyes.
1: Like physical, like like that, is that what happens when you feel like, oh, my eyes hurt, I was staring at the screen too long?
0: Yeah, that's because they're dry. And it's yeah. also just because the muscle inside your eye called the ciliary muscle, it's always contracting to focus up close. And that muscle just gets tired at the end of the day when you've been doing it all day long. And that's why you feel like that achy, tired sensation.
1: Whereas like if I was walking around in the world, my eye would be constantly moving to look at all different Per, like depth perception. Exactly. <sighs> so when I say, my, like if someone says their eyes feel tired, not like they look tired, but is that what, what they're
0: talking about? Totally. They're feeling dry and that muscle is just a little bit fatigued.
1: Okay. On a muscle side note, this is so funny. I literally plugged in my mic to start talking to you and got an eye twitch. And I was like, I never really get eye twitches, but I was like, is this like, did I manifest this? Because Dr. Shah's coming on. What's going on with an eye twitch? Why do those happen?
0: Yeah. The most common reason is dryness. So probably you've been looking at your screen all day. I have been, yes. Yes. Dryness, too much caffeine, stress, or lack of sleep.
1: Uh, that'll all cause those twitches. Twitching,
0: yeah. Funny story. Is there a way to
1: make it stop? Like mine already went away, but like some people say they, you know, they last for a really long time.
0: Yeah, they can last for a really long time. As long as they're only in your eyelid, it's not dangerous. But if the twitching is going into your face, then that definitely needs to be looked at by a physician. But you can try to just put your finger on it. That might stop it. Use some eye drops to lubricate. Take a break from your screens. We like to tell people the 20-20-20 rule. What's that? It's basically every twenty minutes, look twenty feet away for twenty seconds.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm not going to do it right now. Now I'm like staring at you <laughs> intently. <it. laughs> but that's a really good rule. You know what else I'm thinking about because we're talking about screens, the whole blue light. I'm not even going to call it controversy. I'm just going to be a neutral in my question. What's going on with blue light coming from our screens? Like, is that really
0: that bad for our eyes or our eye skin? So so far, it hasn't been proven. So I know blue light blocking glasses are a big thing, but in the studies that we have done so far, they haven't found that blue light increases digital eye strain or it increases certain eye problems like macular degeneration. So, so far, the blue light from the screens isn't been proven to do anything for the eyes. It doesn't hurt your eyes. You can mm-hmm. wear the glasses. They, they are not going to hurt you, but they might not do what you think that they're doing.
1: So why do doctors say, and I've heard doctors say this, like especially sleep experts, that we're not supposed to look at like blue Screens or blue light right
0: before bed, if it's not actually like harming our eye. Well, it does. It does help. It doesn't. It hurts the circadian rhythm. So that's what they're talking about when they say that. And that's but not physically the eyeball, but it disrupts your. I get exactly. disrupts your circadian rhythm, but it doesn't physically hurt your eye. So I'm definitely a proponent of, you know, putting your phone away two hours before bedtime or using the night mode. I have that set up to 10 p.m. at night. It goes onto night mode on my phone. Definitely that's that's great to do.
1: And so, okay, let's talk about the skin around your eyes or even on your face. I'm sure you've seen like there's skincare products that say, oh, we'll protect you from blue light.
0: What's your take on that? So far from the research that I've seen, I don't think it's strong enough to say that the blue light being admitted from screens needs a skincare product for that. Yeah. I do think, obviously, you need sun protection. You need to protect yourself from UV light. But I don't know, you know, maybe that's going to change as more studies come out. But right now, I don't think it's strong enough to say that you necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing with the screens and the eyes, it's really all about taking better care of the health of the eyes and making sure you take breaks and lubricate and take care of those lash line oil glands. And our
1: 2020-20 that we're going to be doing yeah. now. You mentioned sun protection and light protection. Why is that important for eye health?
0: Yeah, so the sun and UV light, I mean, the eye area skin is the thinnest skin in the body. It has very little collagen, very little elastin in it. So, because of that, it is the first area in the body to show signs of aging. So protecting the eyes from the sun is really important because we know that, you know, UV light can break down collagen, break down elastin. So that's super important from a skin perspective. And then from more of an ocular health perspective, the sun, of course, can cause yellowing of the eyes. It can cause growths on the eye. We call that pterygium or pingueculas. They don't look so pretty and they get red, they get inflamed, and they're kind of yellow. It can cause cataracts, can cause macular degeneration. Is that even in like a modern society where we're not like
1: an agro society outside all day long? Can you still see those kind of effects from the sun?
0: I see a lot of people that spend time on the water a lot or beach goers. I do see that. I've had some young patients in tanning boots that they didn't wear the the goggles and they would open their eyes. And I ended up doing cataract surgery on them. So it, it does exist.
1: Oh wow. First of all, no to tanning booths. But also if your eyelids are closed, is that enough or is extra protection on top? Extra like say protection. you're at the beach, do you want me to be wearing sunglasses for that reason? Totally. And now I know like a lot of sunglasses are marketed like with oh it has this and broad spectrum, but like isn't it if it's dark, isn't it doing something? Not necessarily because... Okay, so what do we should look for with sunglasses?
0: Yeah, you need the color doesn't matter. As dark, okay. it can be green, blue, black, doesn't matter. But what you want to look for is that it's 100% UV blocking. That's really important, UVA and UVB. And mm-hmm. polarized sunglasses are very nice. They help kind of cut the glare. So if you're driving or if you're on a boat, polarized lenses are the best. But the most important thing is that 100% UV blocking. And it would say that, right? Yeah. And it it's not necessarily has to do with the darkness of the glasses. So you can have a completely black glasses and no, not blocking much UV light. Okay. So make sure it says that. Got that.
1: Since we're talking about sun, I've heard, is this true that other, depending on the color of your eyes, you're more sensitive to sun or not? Totally. So what's, what's the deal with the different eye colors and how they react to the sun?
0: There's less melanin. So if you have Lighter color eyes, bluer color eyes, green, hazel eyes, you have less melanin in them to protect from the sun. Whereas if you have darker color eyes, dark brown eyes, then you have more melanin, so you will be more protected from the sun. Which means
1: like you're not as sun sensitive as perhaps a lighter eye color would be? Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay. and Okay. So speaking of sensitivity though, I'm, I know you listen to the podcast, so you know my co-host has often talked about her sensitive eyes and I have no idea what she's talking about. Like why are some people's eyes more sensitive and what
0: does that mean? Totally. So a lot of our eye sensitivity comes from having sensitive skin. So if you have like rosacea, for example, Which a lot of people, most people with rosacea also have ocular rosacea, so it affects the eyes as well. What is ocular rosacea? It's basically the same thing as rosacea on the skin, but it's affecting those lash line oil glands. It is. It's uncomfortable. Those.
1: Would you know this? Would you see a difference, or you'd have to see an eye doctor to know that that's going
0: on? You would probably need to see an eye doctor, but okay. it sound might... like it's like a
1: red, bumpy eyelid or
0: something. No, your your eyelid margin might be a little red, and you'll you'll realize that your eyes are more sensitive to makeup, more sensitive to products. You'll realize that, but often people with rosacea, people with eczema. People that wear contact lenses, they tend to be the ones that have the most sensitive eyes.
1: And by sensitive, they mean my eyes hurt all the time or products make them water or
0: like, what does that mean? Sensitive means that their eyes are more prone to being itching, burning, dry, irritated, but also they're less tolerant to makeup products. So I see that a lot of women sometimes are hesitant to try new skincare products or try new eye makeup products because they might have had a bad experience with that in the past where Mm -hmm. their sensitive eyes reacted really poorly to that.
1: I mean, everybody, I'm sure, can think of a product where, you know, it started burning or even if you didn't get it in your eye and it was just near your eye and that happened. Has there been research or have you been finding that there's particular types of things that cause that irritation? Like, is there something you could look for in an ingredient list?
0: Yeah, so I think if you have sensitive eyes, the ingredients that I've seen that cause my patients to be sensitive, one really popular ingredient, unfortunately, is phenoxyethanol, commonly Mm -hmm. used preservative. It's in a lot of cleansers. That I've seen people with sensitive eyes be particularly irritated by. Retinol, unfortunately, that's a little bit of a controversy because I know our dermatologist friends, of course, advocate for retinol around the face, the eyes, which I agree, it's a great ingredient, helps build collagen and everything. But retinol has been shown in in studies to affect those lash line oil glands and my glands, and it causes them to produce less oil, and then they become irritated and inflamed.
1: Now we're talking about like an eye cream that was specifically formulated with retinol, not like, because if you're getting like tretinoin prescription, you're not putting that anywhere near your eyes, right? No, no. I'm talking about eye creams with retinol in them. So even if it says it's an eye cream and it's safe for use around the eyes, if it has that, you can have this oil gland issue.
0: Yeah. And I see that. And sometimes women come to me and they're telling me how their eyes are irritated. And at first, one of the first things I tell them is you use an eye cream. Does it have retinol in it? Stop it for a month. Let's see how you feel. And invariably they feel better. So those are
1: particular ingredients. Are there other types of ingredients? Like you've probably seen it all, like things that we do to ourselves to beautify that cause eye issues. What are
0: some other things? Yeah. So lash serums are not my favorite. Oh, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. Let's get into it. (laughs) Why not? So a lot of lash serums, I think about a third of the lash serums on the market have prostaglandins in them. Still? Still, yeah. Okay. I
1: thought that was like, oh, we took those out because they were prescription ingredients that somehow ended up in over-the-counter products. But apparently I'm wrong.
0: No, they're still in them. There are synthetic prostaglandins in them. They're at a lower concentration. I see. Okay. But they're in them and they are, I mean, prostaglandins are basically chemicals in our body. They're naturally found and they're part of the inflammatory pathway and they help us heal when we get injury. And basically, Latisse, which is a super popular, you know, product, was discovered because in ophthalmology, we use prostaglandin eye drops to treat glaucoma. Mm -hmm. And somebody realized that the side effect of that was eyelashes got longer. So that's where Latisse came from. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it became into synthetic prostaglandins that are in a lot of lash serums. And the the problem—they work. They 100% work. They will grow your lashes. They help increase the growth phase in the last lash cycle. Mm-hmm. And but the problem is, they do create a lot of inflammation in those lash line oil glands. And people always kind of forget to take care of them. So when you get inflammation in the lash line oil glands, although your lashes might be growing better, they're still a little bit brittle. Or they might grow in misdirected directions or fall out much quicker than they should. Because of using
1: a topical prostaglandin kind of serum.
0: Yeah, because something is creating inflammation in the eyelid. And a prostaglandin serum is one thing that can create inflammation in the eyelid. So question before we get into those some more you said
1: one third, the other two thirds of lash serums, does that mean they don't actually grow your lashes?
0: No, I think they do. I think that peptides, biotin, panthenol, I think those are all great ingredients. I think what I found in my personal research is that if you can use ingredients that reduce the inflammation at the lash base Mm -hmm. and balance the microbiome of the lash base, through, and you put those ingredients in a cleanser or a lash serum, that alone will grow your lashes, but in a much more organic, healthy fashion. So the prostaglandin-induced
1: lash could be like wonky and stiffer, is what you're saying. And these are like, oh okay, so they'll still work, just maybe not as quickly or just as quickly, you're finding?
0: I find it depends how much inflammation people have. So if they have a lot of inflammation... The prostaglandins will will still work on them, but it will yeah. aggravate their inflammation.
1: So are there any lash serums that you point people to that you've seen success with that are over the counter, I mean?
0: I like the one that I made. <laughs> tell
1: me. Yes, you just you just started a line, right?
0: And um, Yeah, I just started a line. Okay, tell us about it. Yeah, so I will back up a little bit if that's okay. Of course. V- growing up, my dad, he's a cosmetic chemist. So when I was in med school, he actually didn't want me to be an ophthalmologist. He wanted me to be a dermatologist because he's made many dermatology lines before. So he was like, become a dermatologist and I'll make you your own line. Because he's a, he's a cosmetic chemist. Yeah. Exactly. So I did a rotation in derm. I liked it, but I was already in love with ophthalmology. So that's what I did. <laughs> And I would see all of these women complaining of irritated, sensitive, dry, and itchy eyes. And I, I wondered, what could we do about this? Because I felt mm. like they didn't have good enough skin care to cleanse the eye area. And nobody wanted to give up their eye makeup. They would tell me, women would tell me they feel naked without their eye makeup Right. So I started researching what ingredients can I put into either eye makeup or eye skincare products and eye cleansers that would help the eye area and help with things like the inflammation caused by other ingredients. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Help with that. So and then Dad formulated this for you. Yeah. So together we came I love up that. Yeah. We it's came like up. It's like a family
1: with, affair. It
0: is. Yeah. And We patented it too. So that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So th- so you have a serum within your line. We do. We have a lash serum and it really works if there is inflammation at the lash base, if you Mm -hmm. have itching, irritated eyelashes, or if your lashes have been damaged by doing too much lash extensions, that happens. We can talk about that too, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really helps with that because it has nourishing ingredients. It reduces inflammation, which we actually scientifically proved. So that was really nice and it balances the microbiome of the lashes.
1: So doing that, just like making this more optimal environment for health, makes the lashes grow better than they would have, even without adding in some sort of like growth boosting ingredient.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because your eyelashes are being nourished by these oil glands. These oil glands, they just sit two millimeters behind your lashes. So any blockage and inflammation in that area, it's such a close area will automatically affect your lash growth and your lash health.
1: So the people who are like, my lashes are shorter than they were, they're just not growing like they used to be, It's it could oftentimes be an issue with these glands, not necessarily yeah. anything else going on. Absolutely, You mentioned lash extensions. Yeah. So what's your take on those as far as eye health for the long term?
0: You know, lashes are really interesting. Your eyelashes, they did a really cool study and they found that the optimum length of your eyelashes is when it's one third the width of your eye. Okay, for for appearance' sake,
2: for, for aesthetics? Funct-
0: functionality. Oh, for function. Okay, for go function. On. And mm-hmm. at that optimum length, your lashes they work to protect your eyes by redirecting airflow around your eyes. Okay. So when we do lash extensions, we're altering that ratio. We're making it much longer, right? So instead of redirecting the airflow around the eye, your eyelashes end up acting like a wind tunnel and they suck air into your eye, making your eyes dry. So
1: I thought you were going to say like, oh, because, you know, using the ingredients long-term, irritating. so you're literally changing the physics of airflow when you put lash extensions on. So that's the case, even if they're not like semi-permanent or permanent, it's just like, you know, strip lashes for the night.
0: Totally. And I, your eyes would be drier. Your eyes will be drier. And it's kind of like high heels. Like we're gonna do it anyway. We're anyways. not supposed
1: to work that way, but we do it anyway.
0: Right? Yeah. Okay we're gonna do it anyway. So I my take on it is if you're gonna do it, do it. But you gotta take care of your eyes. You gotta make sure that you're moisturizing. You got to make sure you're cleansing the eye area cuz a lot of people with lash extensions and I get it. It's a big time investment. It takes time to do the lash extensions. It's a money investment. So then people don't want them to fall out, so they don't cleanse them. But you got to cleanse them and you got to take care of your your lashes so that your eyes don't get dry.
1: And so even if you're use even if you're using cleansers that are safe for semi-permanent lash extensions, like are you still going to have these issues? Not as much. Not as much. Follow the directions. And what about people who say, I've been getting lash extensions for the last couple years or whatever, and then they take them out and don't get them for whatever reason. And they're like, my lashes are so much shorter. They're stunted. I'm forever now going to need lash extensions. What's going on
0: there? Yeah. So sometimes if the lash extensions that you're getting are too heavy, then it's causing traction on your natural lash or it's damaging your lash follicle permanently. So, like traction alopecia, like you can get from like tight braids on your head, you could get on your eyelid, on your eyelid. Totally, yeah. You can get your your eyelashes. Your natural lash will fall out and not grow because of the traction from the lash extension. And
1: oh, I'm sure this is, the answer is going to be inflammation because it's always inflammation. But why does that happen?
0: I think well, it's just the weight of the the, way- oh, okay. the weight of the actual lash, and then you damage the lash follicle permanently.
1: Oh, that poor little follicle just never recovers, never recovers, so even if you stop using them, it's not like, "Oh, just give it a year and they'll grow back. You might have lost a lash forever.
0: You might have hopefully not. that's why okay. while you're doing them, take care of the follicles, I mean absolutely, so are there any
1: other things that we do to beautify that you worry you as an eye doctor like okay, lash extensions, you know, proceed with caution,
0: of course. Colored contact lenses also- Oh, that aren't for caution.
1: helping you see, but just for like aesthetic purposes?
0: Yep. Yeah. Sometimes people- issue there? A lot of the times people will buy colored cosmetic contact lenses online, and it's actually not legal to sell it that way because you need a prescription to buy contact lenses. Mm-hmm. But the pigment on the contact lens makes the contact lens much thicker and less permeable to oxygen. So if you're just wearing cosmetic contact lenses for fun because you want to change the color of your eyes, Mm -hmm. then that can really lead to very, very serious infections. So around Halloween time, like we always see these corneal ulcer infections from these cosmetic...
1: I was just going to say, first of all, like so using them every day, like if every day I want to go from blue to brown and I'm wearing them every day, that's a no-no. But what? yeah, some people just do it for a night, even with like, oh, I'm going to be a zombie. I'll get like these funny red ones or something. You see problems from that too?
0: Yep. Halloween, invariably. Yeah. Within a couple days, they're in our office with infections and those infections, depending on how they are, it can be quite severe. So you mentioned Halloween, which makes me think of glitter because I feel like everybody puts eye glitter (gasps) on.
1: Like is glitter, what's the thought on glitter as far as if you have sensitive eyes or just your eye health in general?
0: Yeah. If you have sensitive eyes, definitely skip the glittery eyeshadows. glitter in general, it will definitely fall into the eyes itself. And I see that all the time in the office where the tear film will be like sparkling glitter from eyeshadow. No. Oh yeah. So even if you wash your eyes
1: the way you're supposed to and do everything that, that like little bit of mica or shimmer just gets stuck
0: in there. I would say use a primer before you put it on. Okay. So it doesn't fall from your skin into your eye. Yep. Use a primer. But it still can get in. But if you're cleaning and removing your makeup well enough at night, of course that's going to help. But some people are just so sensitive that even after a day of putting it on and they remove it, they're still feeling the irritation from it.
1: Okay. But the glitter that you're seeing is probably because that morning they applied like shimmer shadow, not like they now have glittery like tears for the rest of their life.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay, got
1: it. <laughs> I'm not an eye doctor. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, just the like, glitter get in there and stay in there forever. But this this makes sense to me. So in your line, you created a lash growth, like serum that, that helps make, maintain eye health. Did you do eye creams and other things like
0: that? We've done a foaming facial and eye cleanser. It's a beautiful cleanser. It's foaming so that it really gets into in between the eyelashes nicely. And it's um, really gentle, hydrating. I've I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that cleanser, so I'm really excited about that. And then we made a rollerball eye serum that has a beautiful metal rollerball. So for your under eye area, when it's puffy... When it's uh, feeling a little dark circles, that will really help soothe that area. And also if you have allergies, um, one of the ingredients in my patented complex is Eye Bright, which really is great for allergies. So that will help with that. And we're working on is an Is that eye cream. for the skin, it's the skin
1: around the eye, not the eye itself?
0: Exactly, the, the lower ahead. eyelid skin and the upper eyelid skin. So the roller ball is really great for that. And especially if you're on the computer all day long, that metal roller ball just really feels so comforting and soothing and it's nice and cool.
1: And so when people talk about like looking tired. I know we talked about when when you, your eyes feel tired. So clearly there's something going on with the shadows you just mentioned. That's one of the reasons people think they look tired. What what do you recommend if people if someone says their eyes look tired?
0: Yeah, so if your eyes are puffy, a lot of the times it might be allergies. So definitely taking an antihistamine medicine. Uh, they also make allergy eye drops that can help with the puffiness. Caffeine is a great ingredient in skincare products. A cool spoon that's also really great for puffiness. Using
1: caffeine is does a good job depuffing topically. Oh
0: yeah, love that. Okay,
1: so a cool spoon. This will all depuff. Go on. <laughs>
0: I'm taking also, notes. <laughs> <laughs> I think if your eyes are kind of looking red or yeah. dull. That will also make you look tired, and that goes along to lubricating and making sure that your eyes are not getting dry from being on computers all day or from being out and about all day. So that's why it's very important, again, to use moisturizing drops, to cleanse the eyes. So because this is within the eye itself, not the skin around the eye, honestly. Correct. Is there a type of eye
1: drop that you recommend that's safe to use regularly? Because I've heard sometimes is this a myth? Here we go. That when you use redness-reducing eye drops, like you become immune to them and then they don't work anymore.
0: That's true. It's basically, mm-hmm. yeah, when you use the redness-relief eye drops, it gets the red out temporarily because it constricts the blood vessels on the surface of the eye. But then those blood vessels rebound dilate and your eyes get more red in the long-term. So so what's the solution there? You gotta find out why your eye is red and treat that. Uh, that of the, <laughs>
1: uh, no, that makes sense. There's also some eye drops. I, this was like early in my career, makeup artists would talk about this, that they would put these bluish tinted eye drops in their client's eyes because it makes the whites look whiter. And I didn't see them as much in the States until recently, but they were always big in France and stuff. Like, what's your take
0: on those? I think that's just reflecting the light differently. But it's not unhealthy to do that to the eye? I don't know too much about the blue eye drop to be honest with you. So I don't okay. I don't know what's in it, if it's unhealthy, if it has one of those vasoconstrictor ingredients in it, then that will just make your eyes more red. But if it has a blue tint, then that's that's reflecting the light differently, which shouldn't ha- harm your eye in any way.
1: So what about Lumify? Do you know those eye drops? What are they doing?
0: Lumify is a better eye drop than the other redness relief drops on the market but it does work the same way. So it constricts the veins on the surface of the eye as opposed to constricting the arteries, which is what the other eye drops do. So do you get that issue in the long-term that the other Not as much. Okay. Got it. You still get it, but you don't get as much rebound dilation because it's working on the veins rather than the arteries.
1: Okay. We're just like going through all of the beauty processes and checking. Now I have one more you made me think of permanent eyeliner. Yeah. So no, I'm not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Your face was like, oh no.
0: What what is the danger with that? I have so many patients that do the permanent tattoo eyeliner. Basically that pigment Gets into those mybobian glands, the lash line glands. Who knew this glands.
1: interview was going to be all about these mybobian glands that I had never heard of before today?
0: <laughs> My mission in life is to teach everybody about the mybobian glands. They're I mean, it keeps coming back to like keep those guys healthy. Yes, because they don't get enough love and attention and they're so important. Well, they sound
1: kind of gross, to be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so permanent eyeliner, it messes with those glands. How so?
0: The pigment blocks them and the pigment causes inflammation in them. And it's really hard to treat because what happens is when the pigment blocks those oil glands, Mm -hmm. those oil glands shrink and they become atrophy. They atrophy. So when you have atrophy and shrinkage of those oil glands, you can never bring them back. So then people constantly have dry, sensitive, irritated eyes. Yikes.
1: So I'm have you seen patients with like permanent eyeliner and that that's caused? And what is the fix then? I mean, you can't really take the eyeliner out,
0: can it's you? It's really hard. So I tell them don't keep repeating it cuz people will actually get the tattoo multiple times. Yeah. So I tell them don't repeat it, keep doing warm compresses as much as possible and clean the eyelids. And then we have lasers in the office and we have other devices that we can do to try to heat the oil glands and kind of massage them and press them to try to open them up. But it's really, really difficult once it gets to that point.
1: And it's not like you could use like a tattoo removing laser right near your eye. That would be so dangerous, right?
0: No. Yeah, probably very dangerous. But the damage is already done at that point.
1: What about microblading though? That's like a tattoo or semi-permanent tattoo, but it's further away from the eye in the brow area. Is
0: there an issue with that? I'm okay with that. I haven't seen any problems with the microblading. Um, I've seen people get you know eczema around their eyebrows as a reaction to that, but not the actual eyeball. So I'm, I'm okay with
1: that. And I got I got a sidetrack because we were talking about tired eyes. We talked about like rolling them, the ingredients that help with the skin, the redness. Is there anything else? Like if someone's complaining, they're looking tired, like sometimes that's like a skin laxity. Like, you know, your l- lids get heavier as you get older,
0: right? Totally. Yeah. Like Like we said that the eyes have very little collagen, very little elastin in them. So the eyelid skin... Does get loose as we get older. I think trying to avoid waterproof eye makeup is something that can really help prevent that because when you use waterproof eye makeup, obviously you have to really rub to get it out. And yeah. that rubbing damages the skin, makes it looser over time. I mean, I never thought about that. I thought that was like
1: another myth like, oh, like, well, I guess running. If I, They say that people who run a lot, like, sometimes their elasticity is not as great because of the like the physical movement. So I guess rubbing your eye skin would be similar that way. Totally, totally. What if you use the really good eye makeup remover so you don't have to rub a lot?
0: There you go, yeah. If it's really, really good and you don't have to rub a lot, all the better.
1: Okay, that's good. So what else can we do is like, as you get older and obviously you're eye health itself, but the skin around your eye changes, trying not to use, trying not to rub your eyes, obviously, whether that's because you're removing makeup or, you know, allergies, that helps. What else do you suggest so people can keep their eyes healthy as they get older?
0: Sunglasses are important, protecting from yeah. the sun. I would say getting to your eye doctor, of course, is very important. How, many, how often are we supposed to go to the eye doctor? At least once a year.
1: But like, what if you go to an optometrist because you wear glasses or whatever and that's who you see? Is that
0: okay? Yeah, I think that's fine. But once you hit 50, it's it's good after the age of 50 to also just see an ophthalmologist and just, especially if you have any family history of any eye conditions, it's good after the age of 50. So
1: would an optometrist necessarily like be looking for the things that you look for and
0: like red flag if they find them? They do, yeah. They do a great job. They will look for the same things that I look for. And they will treat as well. they don't do surgery, of course, but they will they will still look for the same stuff.
1: I'm just curious when your patients come to you. Is it like usually they were referred from an optometrist or like because I don't know a lot about eyes, obviously from this interview, so like I would never know like, oh, I got to go right to the ophthalmologist, but is that how you usually see people?
0: A lot of the times, not. All the time, but probably about maybe 40% of my practice comes from an optometrist. Usually they will try to treat in some way. And then if the person isn't getting better or they need more advanced treatment, then the optometrist will send it my way. Or if it's surgical, then they'll send it my way, of course.
1: And for this age, like eye health, as you know, eye health in general, what about diet? Here's another myth. Oh my God, carrots! Eating carrots helps your eyes. Does
0: it? Why do I even think that? Where did I get that from? I mean, because your mom told you that when you were little to make you. Eat You've your heard carrots. that, right? Oh yeah, that's of not course. just me. Okay, no, so no, why totally. is that like a thing? <laughs> I mean, carrots are good for you. They have beta carotene in them, which is great for your retinal health. I don't. Okay. So not- there's some like. Yeah. In there. Yeah. It's a good nu- nutrient to take. They're not going to improve your eyesight. I think that's what people say that carrots will improve your eyesight. They're not going to improve your eyesight, but carrots are good for you. Green leafy vegetables are good for you, for your eyes and for you as well, of course. Right.
1: So the same foods that are good for overall health are going to benefit your eyes. Exactly. Like the rainbow, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, all that good stuff.
0: And omega-3 is really good for those little oil glands to keep them less inflamed. Back to the
1: oil glands. Wow. (laughs) So you mentioned you have an eye cream. And I sometimes hear from dermatologists, they're like, oh, if, you know, your face cream can work near your eyes without sensitivity, you don't need a separate eye cream. What's your take on that?
0: I think that your eyes, they're the most sensitive part of your body. Uh, They're the most sensitive skin in your body. They Mm -hmm. age the first, fastest. Use the eye cream. I'm a proponent of the eye cream. Got it, got it, got it.
1: So, what are some of your favorite products? Now you have your own line, but what else do you use as far as makeup or skincare?
0: So, I do love just the simple Aquaphor healing ointment on my lids at night. How come? It's super hydrating, it's occlusive. My eyelids tend to get dry. I tend to get an eczema over my, usually it's my left upper lid for whatever reason. So using Aquaphor just keeps it under control without using any kind of steroid ointment. So for me, that works very well. And that wouldn't like clog up your little glands or? No, because I cleanse them. So we're good.
1: (laughs) Okay. So in the morning, if you do that, though, would you then have? be washing your face in the morning? Because I don't normally wash my face in the morning, for example.
0: Uh, yeah, I do wash my face and I do make sure that I take that off of my lids in the morning. Okay. So you're an aqua aquaphor kind of person. What else do you like to use? I do like La Mer's eye cream because it comes with that little metal spoon. So that's yeah. really nice and cooling.
1: And that's like a physical, not just the ingredient itself. It's the cooling of the metal spoon that you like.
0: Feels really good. Yeah. Feels great. And what do you do for your brows? You have lovely brows. Are they naturally that shape? They're natural. Yeah. I haven't done anything to my brows. I used to- You don't pluck them? You don't get threading? Oh yeah. I I haven't gotten threading since before the pandemic. I miss threading, but I'll get back to that eventually. I pluck them, but that's about it. So threading
1: is okay because I've also heard some horror stories about eyebrow threading, but maybe that's just me because I do too much research.
0: Oh, no, I think it's fine. I mean, I try not to, you know, press too hard on my eye when they're doing it, but I haven't had any issues.
1: Where they're like, you have to keep your eye closed so they can get skin taut. I got it.
0: Exactly.
1: What about eye makeup? Do you have a
0: favorite mascara? I like Thrive Cosmetics. I think they have Oh, that's what I'm wearing right now. Oh, nice. I think for sensitive eyes, it's also really great. Oh, good to know. It's also, so that's a
1: tubing mascara, right? So like- technically as you're washing it off, like particles come off. Do you, do you have to be careful about that?
0: Should be a little careful about that so that it doesn't go in the eye. But I think if you rinse well enough, I haven't had an issue with that. I've also
1: seen some mascaras. You just made me think of something else where like on one end, it's like these white fibers and there's like a, you know, they like sort of grab onto your lash and then you put the mascara over them. What, what do you think about those?
0: That definitely gets into the eye. That, that, those fibers. Yeah, those fibers are really, really irritating and cause a lot of allergies in the eyes. So I would I would skip that and go with the tubing. Got it, got it.
1: Any other eye makeup products you like, like liner, mask? I feel like if I have an eye doctor, I'm going to trust her. Oh, of course.
0: I like Lancome. They make For nice the eyeliner. eyeliner. Yeah. yeah. They have a nice eyeliner. MAC has a nice eyeliner as well. Uh, Lancome also has a very nice mascara, the high-def mascara. I like that. Oh, it's a classic. That's a classic, right? Yeah. What about, I just
1: thought like when people are doing my makeup, sometimes they like sort of like flip your lid up a little to get the waterline, to put color on the waterline. How do you feel about that?
0: Not a fan because that's where those little lash line oil glands live.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We should just make it like a repeating, like, nope, not good for your glands. I know. But you know, it looks good to have it close to your, is, is it okay temporarily if you cleanse well?
0: I mean, I guess.
1: <laughs> if you- so when you put on eyeliner, you don't put it on your waterline? No,
0: you- I don't put it on the waterline. I don't tightline, right? They tightline. Yeah, tightlining. Yeah, tight yeah so you don't do that. No, I put it underneath my eyelashes, like under here or on the other side, like to the skin side, not right, the right. eyeball side. Oh,
1: okay. Any other products that you're you're into?
0: What about eye makeup remover? Or do you yeah. just use your cleanser? I use my cleanser because it's. I love it. It works really well. But Clinique's take the day off. They have a really nice eye makeup remover. La Roche-Posay has a very nice eye makeup remover. Sometimes the mis- micellar waters are enough too, if depending on what type of makeup you're wearing. But I think those are great eye makeup removers too.
1: I didn't even ask you the name of your cleanser and your line. Uh, I should probably ask you that. But uh, I'll link to it too in our show notes and everything. <laughs> but what's it called? You
0: and I by Dr. Nikki.
1: And is the you, that's cute, you and I, but now I'm like thinking about your dad. Is that involved at all in the naming of this product? Of course. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. It has like a nice family feel too. You and I, that's cute. So the cleanser that you created would also take off, I imagine, like a would it take off a waterproof kind of makeup?
0: Yeah, it'll take off your whole face and your eyes. It'll take everything off.
1: And it's like, you don't have to use a separate cleanser then for your eyes as for your face.
0: No. Yeah. I just use the one for my face and my eyes, but it's formulated first for the eyes and then for the face.
1: Got it. Okay. Good to know. Wow. First of all, those glands, like I'm going to take care of them from now on, but I've learned so much. Thank you so much. Before we go though, I I made a little speed round for you if you're up for it. I'm up for it. I know you know what this is because you listen to our podcast, but... First question, what's the first beauty product you ever remember using?
0: Clinique's Chubby Stick Lipstick. Oh, yeah. Do, Do you, remember? you remember what
1: color it was? Oh,
0: gosh. I feel like it was like a peachy type of color, but I don't remember the name. Okay, Chubby Stick. That's a good one.
1: Okay, what's your favorite
0: snack? Oh, salsa and chips any day. Oh, that's a good one. Favorite book? The Alchemist. Oh, Just like okay. I manifested this. <laughs> no, i kidding.
1: Uh, you did, though. I <laughs> love that. What song pumps you up when you're tired?
0: Oh, you know what song I love? Danza Kuduro by Don Omar. I don't know this song. What? <gasps> what is? Why is this song so great? It's just a feel-good, it's, it's a Latin song. I like to pretend I'm a professional salsa dancer while I'm playing it. Okay, <laughs> it pumps an- you
1: up. So you're rolling your little silver spoon around your eyes. And listening to that to like wake up in the morning.
0: Exactly. Totally. And salsa dancing.
1: And then at the end of the day, how do you unwind after you've spent a day with a bunch of patients who did what they were not supposed to do to their eyes?
0: (laughs) I love I know it's not all their
1: fault. Obviously, like eye diseases are not your fault, but I'm just thinking about permanent eyeliner. Anyway, how do you unwind at the end of the day? I love Pilates,
0: performer Pilates. Oh, that sounds so healthy of you. It's so good. Like... (laughs) I just got into it a couple years ago and it's just, I feel so good. The stretching, the toning. I love it. This was great. We'll link to your line and some
1: of the products you mentioned in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on Fat Mascara.
0: Thank you for having me, Jen. I had a lot of fun.
1: We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com.
2: We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat mascara. If you send it as
1: a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182.
2: Thanks so much for listening.